Okay, hi everyone. So I did want to give this little disclaimer before the episode officially starts. So today's episode, I am going to talk about more of the anatomy of what your GI system looks like, and it will include some more sensitive issues. So things like um, intense descriptions of descriptions of blood and other injured areas of your body. And if that is a subject that you would not like to take part in, then I would ask that you click away. Um, No hard feelings, just knowing your boundaries is good enough for me. I will also like to say, I apologize for making this episode and setting it out so late. I am a grad student and have been falling ill, as I'm sure you can understand. My flare-ups have happened a few times. And additionally to that, I'm stressed out for the end of the semester, as some of you might uh, also agree with. So I thank you in advance for having some patience with me if these episodes come out a little later than anticipated. I did also want to plug just for a quick moment, if any of you are also struggling with IBS or any sort of particular food issues with like protein bars and stuff, um, a company called Belly Welly did just start coming out with these little bars. Um, They're specifically targeted mostly for people with IBS, but if you also have some specific um, issues with food, I would recommend. They are not like your typical bars. They are made with, um, I think, like an almond-based substance to make the bars stick, but they are pretty tasty, and I would recommend. So please, everyone, give those folks a, a look. Uh, again, it's Belly Welly, so it's B-E-L-L-I-W-E-L-L-I, and it's a little company. Um, a friend of mine in my cohort knows these couple, and they're super sweet. They sent me a little package, um, but I do recommend those. So if you have a chance, go check them out. But without any further ado, I do welcome you to my very first episode of Me, Myself. Hi, my name is Devin, and you're about to listen to my podcast, Me, Myself, and GI. All right, everybody, welcome to my very first episode. I am considering this my first episode as the previously uploaded information was mostly a get to know you and uh, understand who this podcast is is for, what it's about, who it's by. But today's episode, I figured I would start off by identifying what is your GI tract. (laughs) And since it's in the title, I figured it's pretty important for us to understand first and foremost and get off on the right start. Um, Not only am I going to go over what the GI system is, but also very common GI-related disorders and... um, struggles, so stuff like acid reflux and heartburn and allergies too. Um, Because, again, I don't want this podcast to just be for people with um, like IBS-related issues, IBD, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, stuff like that, but those are included too. So let's get to know our GI system. So some of you may think of oh, IBS is like your stomach's on the fritz. But it's way more 
involved than that. So your GI tract is a bunch of your pretty main organs. Um, the long twisting tubes that um, break down your food and uh, turn it into sugar and energy and um, some of it gets absorbed into your bloodstream. And the actual organs that make up your GI system include your mouth, which does include your tongue, so your, your saliva breaks things down. And then it travels down your esophagus where still some of that is broken down by the acids. Um, the biggest section with acid breakdown is your stomach. Um, then it follows into your small intestine, your large intestine, and then finally it moves through your bowels. And then that's where usually you have like, issues related with uh, diarrhea, constipation, stuff like that. But that's where your bowel movements are in your stool. Um, your more solid organs of your GI system, or rather your digestive system, involved are your liver, pancreas, and your gallbladder. So those are the really the organs. Um, and I'm not going to make you sit here through a whole you know, middle school, high school <laughs> science class to talk about your biology. Um, but some of your more commonly found issues involve stuff like um, ulcers in your stomach, in your large intestine, small intestine. Um, sometimes it includes sludge and stuff in your, um, in your gallbladder, in your pancreas, your... Um, your liver, you want to make sure that it's still a smooth, um, it should be a smooth organ. Um, and your intestines themselves, those are the ones that you do have good bacteria in your, in your body. They do help. That's what helps break down those foods and stuff that you put in your body. Um, it becomes a problem when your bad bacteria gets involved and overwhelms the good bacteria. So that's why people would take things like, chew, what are they called? Probiotics, that's the word. <laughs> um, and also you can take prebiotics. So there are two things such as probiotics and prebiotics. Um, I don't know if anyone has seen these commercials, but there's an actress, uh, I don't remember her name. I know her from the Divergent series. She was also in Designated Survivor. She used to do a show called Nikita. Um, anyway, that's not the important part here. But she ha has been promoting um, a substance. It's like a, it's another supplement, but it's a powdered drink mix that includes um, healthy greens and pre and probiotics. It's supposed to help you know, set your system for the day and kind of give your cravings, like what your stomach and your, you know, like any of the days where like, mm, I really want a donut. It actually kind of cuts into that and it helps you choose healthier things and it does kind of regulate your system. Um, so know that there's that difference. There's a prebiotic and there's a probiotic. Probiotics are oftentimes those over-the-counter things that people will suggest and it's like Metamucil, 
It's a fiber supplement, but it's also hugely probiotic. Um, so there's the bacteria, but sometimes there's also like polyps and things that you can find in your system. Um, there's also your body can develop these things called diverticula. And so it's not very common in young individuals, but older adults can develop diverticulitis, which is the diverticula. It's like these little pockets within your GI system that food and things will get trapped in, and then it'll get inflamed and cause your body to have severe reactions to it. Um, at the very basic idea of the whole GI system being upset, um, people oftentimes will experience pain, discomfort, uh, bloating, and gas, and that usually comes from your intestines, those that were listed above, um, when they get inflamed and when they're not functioning properly or you just have a high histamine response. And so in those moments, your body, if something is happening that shouldn't be happening in your body, your intestines, your skin, whatever it may be, will have a histamine response, which means that more of those germ-fighting and protective parts of your body will swarm to that area and therefore inflame and they're like in cause a high reactive state in that part of your body. And so when that happens in your intestines or in your um, stomach, it causes really terrible discomfort and swelling. And that's where people who, if you're trying to go to the bathroom or if you're trying to eat properly, that reaction causes some pain because that discomfort is rubbing up against something that should be working properly and you have pain. And so that's when it becomes a serious problem is if that's very frequent. Because, you know, sometimes you cut yourself or in my case, one time I bruised my spleen. <laughs> um, you know, sometimes stuff like that happens. It's when it happens so often and when you're doing your normal functioning things. So that's where GI issues like IBS are hugely impacting your day-to-day -day because you don't want your body to be inflamed when you're going to work, when you're going to school, when you're going on your activities because then you have to be more cognizant of where's the bathroom, where, where can I go relieve myself. And that's where it's hugely problematic and becomes a disorder because that's disrupting your daily living. Um, so for issues like IBS, there isn't a known cause. And actually, it's way more common than you think. People oftentimes, you know, will get diagnosed with IBS and then their siblings or their parents or their aunts and uncles and cousins and everyone between here and the netherworld um, will be like, oh, I actually experiencing, I have been experiencing that too. And it's very, un it's not uncommon. And actually, as you get older, it happens more frequently. You have to be more aware of like how much of this, that, or the other thing you're putting in your body. Um, and there are other GI related issues too. Like I already said, there's acid reflux, heartburn. Um, and you know, those are common terms, but like heartburn and acid reflux, that's where you feel like there are those pockets of that acidic fluid in your body that 
usually comes from your stomach. It comes back up your esophagus, and that's where you experience heartburn. You feel like, oof, like I, I, I moved too fast, and now I feel like I'm going to throw up. Um, other things are ulcers, which I kind of started to touch on, but I didn't. Um, so ulcers are where the tissue of your intestines, especially like your stomach, which is very common, um, or colon ulcers too, it's where that material inside gets rubbed down or um, gets inflamed. And it's, it's almost as if you were to have a cut on the inside of those um, organs. Um, other things, too, are like biliary tract disorder, gallbladder disorder, gallstones. Um, and then there's other things, too, which are very common, like allergies. So you'll have stuff like lactose um, intolerance, which isn't necessarily an allergy, but you can have things like celiac disease, which are people who can't have gluten. Um, there's also like a whey allergy. So, you know, it's huge right now for people to take a whey supplement when they're working out. Um, but there's all kinds of allergies too. And so allergies are also common. And those are only a few things that I can think of at the moment. Um, but what happens when you have a food allergy? Or what happens if a certain protein in that food or a sugar in that food causes you to have an allergic reaction? Well, kind of like I said, there is a histamine response. So your body will try to fight off that material, that, that protein, that whatever it is in your body. It will try to fight it off and try to get rid of it as soon as it can. Um, and in this case, it's, it can cause triggering symptoms like hives. It can cause airway restriction. You think about it when you're a kid and someone has like a nut allergy or um, any other kind of allergy and you're like, oh, if they have an allergic reaction to something, we need to get them to a hospital. It's because they could have an airway restriction because their body is reacting hyperactively and it causes things to, like I said, swell up. It causes things to rush to that part of the body and enlarge in things that are otherwise functioning, functioning normally. And so if it causes your histamine response to activate in your esophagus or in your air, in your uh, windpipe or something like that, it can close that off. And so that's really problematic. Um, other things that are huge too, so obviously cancer is a big issue. And if you have any sort of um, growths on any of your organs, that's, again, hugely problematic. Um, we all know that we lost Chadwick Boseman, um, the great Black Panther, um, a phenomenal actor because he had colon cancer. Um, so... Cancer cells are not the same as having, like, an allergic reaction or something. Those are actually malforming cells in your body. So they mutate incorrectly, and then they cause these cancerous cells. And if it's malignant, then the cells grow to those around them. And so it's, it's a growing tumor, and it can cause other cells to start 
changing. I don't know, uh, misforming incorrectly. So that's where when people go and get tested for um, if they have a growth anywhere in their body, that's when they have to test it to see if it's benign or if it's malignant. So a benign tumor, you know, it's just malformed cells in their body. It's not, it's not growing anywhere. It can't possibly go to other systems. Um, and I will tell you this. So this is not on the same to- topic, but um, I've, I've struggled with this. I don't know if anyone here has heard of the term doom scrolling. It's not something, I don't use it properly. I'll say that much. Um, but when I'm, at, when I'm in the middle of a fit or a bad spell with my GI system, um, I, get pretty, I get pretty low. Um, it's, it's not fun. It's traumatic. It causes me to feel really down about myself. But I'll also try to find an answer. Because we live in a culture where we want answers like that. So so sometimes I'll go on the internet. And the internet is a wild place, my friends. Um, We have really important things like the Mayo Clinic, which will tell us information that we really need to know about a, a diagnosis or something that the doctors have told us about. But... It's also a place that's full of information that we never need to know. Um, And also, it's helpful if you have information that someone's given you instead of being the person that self-diagnoses. But I've been in places before where I'll go on the internet and be like, oh, this is what it is. This is really what it is. My doctors don't know anything. But I've seen specialists. I've seen two specialists. I've seen a number of regular physicians that have all just said it's IBS. And at this point, I've taken many tests that have ruled out a lot of more serious things, which I have to say I'm very thankful for. But uh, those things have kind of set me in a track to be very hypervigilant and to almost a fault. But at the same time, I've always been like, oh, others have had it worse. This isn't even that bad. I shouldn't have to go to the doctor for it whatever, I'll still eat my pizza and my Cheez-Its and my cheese and crackers. But then when Chadwick Boseman died and I found out he had colon cancer and in my moments of realizing, oh, if he can die from colon cancer, from fighting colon cancer, am I really sure that this isn't colon cancer? And Not that I thought I had colon cancer. It's just kind of when stuff like that hits a little close to home, you never realize how much like it can actually affect you. And so I thought, okay, well, and so I thought, well, maybe I should take this a little bit more seriously. And maybe I should be more honest when I'm talking to my physicians about what's going on and be more like, you know, forthcoming and just be real and say, Actually, it's really, really hard to breathe when this happens. Or, you know, when when I feel pain right here, it feels like I'm on fire. Or just be more honest. And I think people can tell you that till the skies turn, I don't know, green and yellow. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, I laugh, but, you know, people can say it until they're blue in the face. 
that you should be honest with your physicians. But I'm also here to tell you, I still get scared when I go to the doctor. I'm like, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything to t- for them to tell me that, you know, I, I don't, I, they're a doctor and they could tell me that I'm going to die in the next five days. And they have the authority to know that for sure. And I'm not saying that every doctor out there is 110% the greatest doctor. And I'm not saying that all of them are a bunch of quacks. Because I know people who have worked really hard to get where they are. And so I believe that they do have some some authority over me in terms of health. But I'm starting to realize that that really shouldn't mean that I should believe them over myself and knowing that something's wrong. Because it's your body and you can listen to it and it will tell you what's going on and I don't want to be the person that's sitting here in front of a microphone and telling you that because you hear it eight times a day but I'm here to tell you I'm still learning it and it's okay if you're still learning that if you've already heard that and you're you've learned it and that's how you live your life Props. Please sit down and talk to me about that. Please tell me how you've gotten to this point and you know that. (laughs) I'd love to hear you. I'd love to pick your brain. But I'm a people pleaser. And so I don't like to sit in front of the doctor and say, well, actually, I don't think that's right. Or say that to a counselor. And I'm a counselor. So I'm here saying that it's okay if you're also struggling with that and you're also thinking, ah, this isn't that big of a deal. Even though it really probably is. And I'm not telling you all to be hypochondriacs either. Don't don't think that you're going to have cancer in the next five days. I'm just telling you, listen to your body and listen to what it needs and listen when it's telling you that something's going wrong. Okay, that kind of went down a weird rabbit hole. So let's go back to what we're talking about. GI tract, GI symptoms, GI disorders. So one thing I was also curious about is what are some of the most common digestive disorders? And those are GERD, which is what it's called most often, but it's actually but it's actually gastroesophageal reflux disease, which is when the stomach acid comes back up your esophagus, which is kind of what I was already talking about earlier. Um, like the acid reflux, you feel like, ooh, I... I just got a little bit of, like, acid taste in my mouth. Um, The next is gallstones. And so that's where, that's where hard deposits that form in your gallbladder, which is kind of a smaller organ. It kind of tucks away. um, But it, it creates these hard deposits. And... It says nearly 1 million Americans are found to have gallstones every year. And I do have a friend that I'm going to school with. And she has experienced them many times. And it's very painful to pass them and to get them to come out. Um, If your gallbladder doesn't empty properly, this can happen. Um, If it becomes too intense, sometimes you do have to have surgery to have them removed. Um... 
it, I don't know. I'm very thankful I haven't had to have gallstones or gallstones removed. Um, the next most common, as I said, is celiac disease, um, which is basically just an allergy for gluten. Crohn's disease, which is where Crohn's disease is very similar to IBS. It's just more severe. It's one of the ones that's more classified as an inflammatory bowel disease. Um, I will tell you that I have IBS, which is just irritable bowel disease. Um, Crohn's disease is more more severe. Um, it affects your ileum, your terminal ileum, um, which is the very end of um, your stomach and into your large intestine and it connects to your small bowel and the beginning of your colon oh I'm sorry I forget where the alien is please don't come at me and say that I did this wrong um ulcerative colitis which is again one of the inflammatory bowel disease um diagnosis but uh it's very similar to Crohn's but it affects mostly your large intestine, which is what most people call the colon. Um, it, it, it thinks your food and anything you put in your body is a foreign body, and it thinks that it's a bad guy, basically, and so it tries to get rid of it. It doesn't actually absorb properly into your system. It's why most people who have... You see your Crohn's oftentimes will have to go to the doctor because anytime they eat food, they get vehemently sick. So the difference between IBS and UC and Crohn's is people who have UC Crohn's oftentimes will be severely malnutritioned, have severe malnutrition. That's what I mean. Um, sometimes... In treatment, they'll have to be hooked up with a feeding tube because they're that lacking nutrients. And people with IBS, you know, we get sick if you if you eat certain foods, but sometimes you can eat foods and feel fine. Um, and also, one thing they'll tell you with IBS is you have to look out for bloody stool or blood in your urine because that's when there's signs that it's actually in inflammatory bowel disease, not just IBS. Uh, next common one is hemorrhoids, and uh, that is a very common condition, actually. Uh, their inflammation of the blood vessels at the end of your digestive tract that can be painful and itchy, um, so it can cause constipation, diarrhea, and straining during bowel movements. Uh, it's oftentimes related to a lack of fiber in your diet. Um, and one of the next ones is diverticulitis, which is what I was talking about before. So there are weak spots in the lining of your digestive system. Um, if you have the diverticula in your system, which are those weak spots, but no symptoms of diverticulitis, so there's more painful issues, um, pain in your abdomen, chills, and fever, then it's actually called diverticulosis, which, so you have to make sure that if someone says diverticulitis versus diverticulosis, 
diverticulosis, they'll have the diverticula, but they won't have those severe symptoms. And the ninth most common is actually anal fissures, which are very tiny tears in the lining at the very end of your digestive tract um, where, where your stool comes out of. It's like right at the where the internal becomes external. Um, and that can be very painful. Um, it's similar to hemorrhoids, but you'll have bleeding and pain pain after your bowel movement. Um, that straining and having a really hard time going and pushing out stool can cause fissures. Um, but it can also happen from extreme amounts of diarrhea. So that's where people have a really hard time like sitting down. So the hemorrhoids, this happens with too. So people can't really sit down. There's a lot of pain and discomfort. But with anal fissures, it's actually a lot more bleeding and um, like redness. And it's, I don't want to say there's cuts, but it's very much like if you have, you know, an open wound down there. Um, I also realize that this topic can be very uncomfortable for some people to hear and have. Um, and I, I understand that. If this makes you uncomfortable, I feel no hardship if you would rather not listen and you'd like to click away. Um, um, I know that this is a hard topic, but I also think it's, an, it's a necessary topic. People, as I said in my intro episode, these topics are oftentimes overlooked and hidden from the public because it feels shameful to talk about these things. Like it's a very private affair, you going to the bathroom or you having your quote-unquote, private parts be talked about so openly, but it's still a necessary health condition that people are struggling with, and they're struggling with in private, and they're hiding, and they're, they have to do it in silence and alone. And I'm really tired of having to deal with that alone. So if you're willing to listen to me, I'm very happy. If you feel uncomfortable, please feel like you can step away. You don't have to listen to this. Um... But know that you're you're heard too. So we talked a little bit about what your GI tract is. Um, we talked a little bit about different types of GI-related issues. And we talked a little bit about um, some of the most common. Um, one thing I will say is if you're ever put in a position where you have to answer questions with a doctor especially a specialist, about these kinds of things. Know that you can also feel like you can search for the right specialist because I've seen a specialist for, um, like I've seen a gastroenterologist and I felt uncomfortable the whole time. Like I felt like he did not believe what I was saying and that was really discouraging but then I saw a female specialist and she gave me a chart and she gave me and she gave me space to talk about it. And she also she did it so matter of factly that it made it feel more commonplace, which I think is really important for me. It might not be important for you, but 
it's it's a health condition. And if a doctor is treating it like it's a gender thing, that really doesn't fly with me. But if you treat it like any other biological condition, that's huge because it is. It's just another biological condition. And there are ins and outs that you don't know are normal or not normal or commonly abnormal, if that's a phrase. Um, So even comfort with your physician about these subjects is very important. So just like you would shop for a good hair, um, just like you would shop for a good hairstylist, you should shop for a good GI specialist or physician in general. And don't be afraid to kind of push the envelope with them too. Because I had to ask questions that I didn't know were important to ask. And I think that's that's where you start to get the answers that you really need. Um, maybe that not that you wanted, but the ones that you need. And the other thing I would say too is don't let your fear of how it's going to be perceived by others, don't let that get in the way of doing a procedure that your doctor thinks will help answer the question. I think if it's for the betterment of your physical, emotional, psychological health, then I think it's important for you to consider. Because I I thought that having a colonoscopy was it it was just for people over the age of 50 to get done for their like annuals and I didn't want to be seen as oh you're the 20 something who got a colonoscopy what are you an old man I I had to struggle with that and think of well is this about being perceived as an old man or is this to answer whether or not I have polyps or anything wrong on the inside of my colon is that what's affecting my health well then that's way more important and it turns out I think that's actually very important because a friend of mine also just recently had to go through that and she came up to me was I don't want to say concerned she just was curious what it was like and asked me some questions, and I was very honest with her. I said, yeah, I think it was actually one of the quickest procedures I've ever had done. And the only thing I didn't like was the prep work for it um, because I kind of had to go through my own usual flare-up kind of experience in order to get prepared for the procedure the next day. And the fact that by doing it, someone else could feel comfortable asking me a question about it, I think it was huge. And it's not to seem like I'm patting myself on the back, but I just hope more of you feel comfortable realizing that we're just people trying to take care of our little person bodies, our little, our little suits that we wear to get through life. Um, and so don't forget to give yourself some grace, but also realize that You don't have to feel shame for having an issue that's related to eating or going to the restroom or 
I don't know, reacting after you eat. I know that that can also be hard. And I think in one of my upcoming episodes, I'll probably talk about how this relates to eating disorders. But no, I'm not coming from this from a point of view of, oh, just get over your eating disorder. Get over your, get over your issues of related to food. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I see you're struggling and I see that you're working through it and I see that it's affecting you in your own way. That's what I'm saying. And I hope you can also reflect that back to me and I can I can I can only hope that you will also see that as that's what this space means for me is that I'm not sitting in a bathroom by myself anymore feeling like I'm the only one going through this. I feel like this is where I want my space to be is I want us to be able to support each other in whatever you're struggling with, be that migraines, be that your mental health, be that your bathroom issues, be that constant bloody noses. I don't care. I just want you to feel supported and I hope you support someone else. And on that note, I hope you all enjoy the rest of your morning, afternoon, evening, just your whole day. Thanks, everyone.